Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system, and we're on episode 3 of 30. Today is all about the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, and their beloved Phillies. They're a solid system with exciting names, and we're going to break them down right here, right now. So Phillies fans, sit back and enjoy today's episode. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Welcome back once again. We are back here with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're in the swing of things now with these top 20 podcasts. Each episode now, we're going to be breaking down a new major league team and all of its top prospects that you need to know. Here today to talk about the Philadelphia Phillies, I've got my co-host and the prince of projection, Mr. Jake Tillinghast. Jake, how's it going today? Oh, it's, it's going, it's going, it's going. Yeah. I came I came up with one more. I thought I was done, and I got Prince of Projection. I was proud of that one. I mean, you said it last time. We got 28 more of these, so you better have tw- well, 27 now after this one. So you better well, find 27 more names. At this point, I'm just going to plead to all the listeners to just start DMing me random ones because um, I'll, I'll use them. <laughs> I'll use the AKAs and just go with it. But I'm excited. We've had some key prospect promotions in the last week. You know, Pearson, Bubich, Varsho. I think I'm probably missing some, but obviously we're a young site. But it's going to be really awesome in the future to see our guys make their debuts. You know, like, oh, I wrote about him when he was 17 and raw, and now he's an ML starter. Yeah, it's definitely a fun time. Like, like you said, we're going to be writing about guys that we're going to be looking at for the next couple of years and kind of seeing them progress. And like we say they are, or we hope they are, or maybe we think they're not going to. Just all, all around, it's going to be exciting and can't really honestly wait till the minor leagues get started again. <laughs> Seriously. That's one thing. All these guys are just going to be wasting away in their development time, just not having minor leagues. I can't wait for them to play again. But Jake, I want to turn our attention over to the man who's hours away from us. Joining us once more from jolly old England, Mr. Jake Tweedy. Tweety, I'm so glad you came back. Uh, I hope the jet lag wasn't too bad during this trip over and over and over again. I just, I just love the voice. I'm just coming back for the voice. The accent, it does it for me. This accent? No, yeah. your your accent. I, I am the one heterosexually swooning over your accent. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll get a Jakey Poo shout this time then. <laughs> uh, yes, you know what? Since you want to be oh, Jakey Poo, you'll be my, my British Jakey Poo. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Now I feel part of the gang. The internet's an awesome thing, man. This this is what our ninth episode, and between all of our guests, we've already hit all the American time zones, the Philippines, England twice. Baseball is pretty awesome at getting people together. But but let's kick it off with Philadelphia. Uh, the system, it, it feels like there's a split up at, at the very top. There are two big names here to choose from. Uh, you got right-handed pitcher Spencer Howard with the 55 future value, and top minor league third base prospect Alec Bohm, who you give a 50 plus. Given the fact that Howard had some recent shoulder problems, what are the separating factors here that lead you to still place Howard over Bohm? I just think he's dangerous. He's, he's fit. He's dangerous. He's not quite 100%. He's still dangerous. I mean, 2018, he got what, 147 strikeouts and 112 innings. Last year, didn't have a full year. I missed eight, eight games, 40 innings less. But he's still got 94 strikeouts in 71 innings. Like, yeah, he's had <clears throat> injury problems, but that's still pretty dangerous. And I think Bryce Harper said it best. He said, if he's not starting rotation by game six in New York, then there's a problem. Ooh. 
<laughs> Jake, what do you what do you feel about Spencer? I mean, I agree. He definitely deserves a number one spot, no doubt. Um, the guy has two for sure plus pitches and potential to have a third. And even if he doesn't have a third, he's got two other pitches that are above average. So he's got four pitches that he can really come after any righties or lefties with in any count. He's got pretty good command of, for the most part, all of them. But yeah, I mean, this guy is just, like Harper said, the guy needs to be up. He's ready to produce. Obviously, they're playing the clock now, and they're just going to say he's not healthy. He needs more seasoning, all that. But everything I've seen, the kid's ready to produce. He made people look kind of stupid in summer camp and spring training. Everything, every chance he's had, kind of had to face a top level, he's kind of shown that he's ready. So... I think he's ready, um, and it's the thing that you said. This thing that kind of separates him and Bohm. If Bohm could probably stick long term at third base, like we'll get to, I don't think he's going to. If he could, he would have an argument for the top spot. But just due to the fact that he probably is likely going to move over to first base, even though that bat's going to be awesome, is kind of the separating factor that kind of just leaves Howard in that top spot. It doesn't matter who answers this question. I'm just curious. Um, future 60 grain changeup, and I know it's got some pretty wild motion to it. Someone tell me about this changeup. Yeah, he just he stays around low 80s. He has the movement of like a reverse slider, so to speak, and carries like a fastball before dropping a move. It's, it's like a mixture of two different pitches in one pitch. I think that's what makes it so dangerous is the stuff that he produces. Oh yeah, when you say that the changeup was moving like a slider, I was watching Scherzer pitch yesterday against uh, the Blue Jays in Pearson's debut, and he was throwing changeups. I was kind of having that same kind of action. Like I thought, well, I thought it was actually a slider once, but on the Statcast, it came up as a changeup, and it was a changeup. I mean, you saw it out of the hand; it was actually a changeup. Is just the way he kind of throws it. So he, I'm not saying he has a Scherzer changeup, but he has action like that, and it's pretty fun to watch because you don't really know as a hitter. I mean, you don't know what's coming in the first place, and then if you have a changeup that can go either way, that that's just almost like facing two different pitches. So, Well, with four pitches over 55 future value, is is it just the past shoulder injury that's kind of hampering him here, or does he have something else that he needs to work on? I just think his overall command needs to be, especially with his secondary pitches, needs to be better. Like, obviously, he's, like you said, he needs a fully fit. He's firing at all cylinders, but he needs that command as well. I don't know whether the injury is going to make a difference to his command or whether it, or how it's going to work moving forward, but that's that's going to be one of the things to highlight straight up is, is his injury going to affect how his command comes back when he actually goes back to pitching 100 innings a season? I hope the injury doesn't hamper him because you know 55 future value with four plus pitches, uh, it's going to be scary. Like I mean, third time we're saying it. Bryce Harper... Said it best. If he's not a starter, something's wrong. So uh, the reason why I had a curiosity at the top was because, you know, like I said, the other guy that we could choose from was Alec Bohm. He's the number one third base prospect in baseball. 23 years old with a 50 plus future value. He's not speedy and he might not even stick at third, honestly. He's maybe got some limited range. But one thing's for certain the bat plays now and in the future. He's a rare find with potential 60-grade power, but also the ability to limit strikeouts. I'm impressed by pretty much everything statistically, but tell me what stands out the most in Bohm's game. In 15 years, when we look back on him, what are we going to say? Alec Bohm was best at blank. Hitting. What just hitting. He's consistent. He's good average. It's one of those things that he strikes the ball well. He's, like I said, he hardly strikes out. He can hit home runs either way. Like, it's just generally he's hitting. Obviously, you've said, Jake touched on it earlier, that it, defensively, it could be that shift. 
So obviously defensively there's question marks, but offensively it's just general hitting. Like he can hit home runs, he can hit doubles, he can get the singles, he can he's got a good plate discipline. It's just that generic hitting ability, I suppose. And like the, the I guess the ability to adjust from pitcher to pitcher to like you know to read those pitches properly. Yeah. So he's yeah, he's smart at the plate. Like he reads the game well, he's he's for a 22-year-old, that's very that's very advanced. Obviously, you're going into the majors, you're going to be facing everything, everything that comes at you. You've got to be able to, not only, you can go out there and be the best power hitter on the planet, but you've got to be smart about it as well and know when to hit, when not to hit. And I think that's what he has a lot, a lot of. So, Jake, when we look back at the Ranger system, we saw a lot of guys with big hit and no field. Where do you think... Boehm is going to place and T's kind of that same prospect. Yeah, I kind of touched on it earlier. I think he's just going to slide right over to first base. Um, I don't really think he has really, quite honestly, any chance to stick at third base long term in the, in the majors. I spoke to a scout during the shutdown or actually right before the shutdown and we we were talking about Alec Boehm and he literally just kind of said the same stuff. He doesn't really, he saw him I think six or seven times last year and he saw him make I think four or five errors and every play he made he even looked shaky he said. So I don't know. From what I've seen, what I've heard, from especially with that, I don't think this guy has a chance to really stick there. Like I said, he's just very, really shaky and just doesn't even really, for the most part, look comfortable. He's really athletic for this size, but I mean, the speed and defense don't show it. He has some athleticism to him, but you're not going to really care too much because he doesn't go to first base. He'll be a below average fielder, but he's not going to kill you over there. And now you can use the DH a little bit in the NL, like we yeah. mentioned earlier. So, but yeah, um, there's a lot of just good stuff to like about him. Some stuff you can kind of ignore almost because of what you're getting in other places. Okay. So, so that's the top two in the system. Third on their prospect list is shortstop Bryson Stott, who you have ranked with the 50 future value, Tweety. Uh, while none of Stott's tools are screaming elite or, or even plus plus for that matter, he does have the ability to do everything just just well i'm seeing 55 pretty much across the board everywhere on his future values uh, but in your opinion is there one tool that stands out above the rest yeah and again i think he's he's, he's hitting again he's he's <laughs> it's just that consistency like he's his average is good he's just under 300 last year in his first season it was only it's 48 games so that's not you can't really get a lot from that but he's hit nine doubles three triples six home runs like it's very spread out he's got that consistency he's lacking that bit extra to be that power hitter yeah i mean his slash line is a hair under that benchmark that we always set on people 300 400 500 he's just a little bit under on every single one of those slashes he i, I think he, he's gonna be i mean that hitting is you're right that hitting is gonna bring him to the next level jake what, what do you have on him I think he's a really good hitter. The guy, I mean, the guy that just kind of jumps right at me that he kind of reminds me of is just kind of Jeff McNeil from the Mets. Not a guy that's going to kind of just be a standout really anywhere, but then you look at his stats at the end of the year and he just actually had a really good year. Just he's going to be a really good hitter. He's not going to really flash any plus power or even probably league average. It'd be about a 15, 19 guy. So he won't really contribute a ton in the power department. He'll run into some, but he's not really looking to do it. I mean, he's just kind of that pure hitter build. He just knows how to find the barrel, knows how to kind of put a good swing on almost every kind of pitch. I mean, he will strike out by no means. He's not going to just have contact rates above everyone else, but the guy's going to have some pretty good averages. He's going to get on base a lot. The slugging will come down as he kind of keeps going up the ranks, as I mentioned before, but if this guy's a 300 plus hitter or even close to it, you're going to get some good value and he has a chance to take a shortstop. Might move over to second base with it, but 
I think he has some good profile. He's kind of going to be that more better in real life than help any type of like fantasy team or even really be a household name. But then all Phillies fans are going to just love the guy to death. Okay. Uh, is it just the power that like, is, is it going to be the power is the one thing that like, if he improves on that, then he might be in the uh, conversation for that number one slot in the Phillies org. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's just, he's, he needs that bit extra. It's, it's sort of like a similar sort of, I don't need to compare it to, but it's just, I think it's was that, not to the extent of young, but like you need, you know, he needs to just unlock that power. Mm-hmm. Just it's just something that needs that bit extra. He's six three, two hundred. Yeah. Let's say he puts on some development, puts on fifteen more pounds. That could be fifteen pounds of muscle that makes that forty five plus a fifty power. Exactly. So he's got he's he's got the room to project, and he's got the the body for it. He's got the frame for it. He's got good discipline. He just needs that bit extra, just to really like to really take off. He needs he needs that bit of extra oomph just to really do something. Okay, he, he's another type of one of those players, like I said, with the Rangers system, where that, that that Nikki Solak, where it's just like he's just good at everything, he, and and that's the type of player that I love to see just succeed in these systems. Because you're right, he might not be a household name, but he's going to be the Phillies fans, like you said, are going to absolutely love him. Uh, but well, let's move to number four on the list. Uh, we've got the fresh draft pick, right-handed pitcher with a 45-plus future value, Mick Abel. Uh, with Abel, you've got a six-foot-five bean pole weighing in at only what 190 pounds, but he's already throwing 99. Same kind of thought process. You put some weight on that, that 99 could just see triple-digit heat. Uh, tell me about his arsenal, though. Sure, having a fastball is great, but you can only do so much of it if the batter knows it's coming. What else does he have to mix in there? Yeah, I think his fastball says it all. Like, is the potential to get triple digits as he fills out and he develops. But I think in general, his whole toolkit is based on his consistent action, his release, he has that repeatable delivery. And I think that's the things that, although he, like his curve was slightly below average, he has the ability to make that better with its movement and its dropping velocity because he has that overall repeatable action. He can continue to do it on a regular basis. His slider, upper 80s with late break, like it's his go-to pitch. So again, that's something that has decent spin and good command over. And then his changeup is another one that it mixes well with his fastball, with how he can drop the velocity. I mean, Jake wrote about him as well for the draft, draft analysis. He's got he's as high, I suppose, as on him as I am. Yeah, Jake, uh, I, I seem to recall he had, you mentioned he had an incredible spin rate. What, what was that? In the video that we're talking about where he was touching 99 and all, he touched 2660 RPMs, which the MLB average was 2250. So that is pretty incredible. But again, that's only one pitch, and obviously he's not sitting 99. But just the fact that he's able to show it shows you he's got it in him, and his numbers that he is probably sitting at aren't probably too far off that. I, like I, like Jake Tweedy said, um, I wrote about him right after the draft, and I'm a little higher on him. By no means is he low on him. I'm just slightly higher on him just on the changeup. I think the changeup has a chance to be a plus pitch. It just his arm speed and just everything that kind of tunnels with the fastball so well. I just think it shows enough for me to give it that plus pitch action. Obviously, he has some work to do with it, but he's got three potential, or in my opinion, three plus pitches already, and the fastball's a plus plus pitch. Like we already said, touched on it. Um, it's just going to grow into more with more added weight. He's only one, he says 190, six foot five. The kid's 18. He's going to put on weight. He's going to put on muscle. And then, I mean, just by natural, he's going to probably add velocity to that. He's probably not going to be sitting in the hundreds, but if he's sitting up in nineties, 96, 97, 98, I wouldn't be 
shocked at all. Yeah, I mean, if the curveball ever comes across, like Tweedy said, then we're looking at potentially one of the better pitching prospects in all of baseball. I mean, the guy can have four or three plus pitches with a fourth pitch that just keeps hitters off balance and will help her work a lot versus lefties with that curveball, just keep him off the fastball and the slider. I think Abel's in a year or two, I think we're going to be looking at him as one of the better pitching prospects in baseball. So Jake, you're a former college pitcher, so I feel comfortable asking you this. How easy is it going to be to improve this curveball? I mean, the fact that he already shows ability to spin, he shows good arm action on the, on the changeup. He shows a really good ability to throw the sliders we've already touched on. Obviously, the curveball is a fourth pitch. He hasn't really needed it, quite honestly, at this stage of his career. I mean, when you're talking about a guy that goes first round and just has all this talent that we literally just said, and I mean, just think about it. How often do you think he really needs his fourth pitch in high school? Not often. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's going to obviously take some development. But now that the fact that he's got some advanced pitching coaches with him, he's working with pro coaching, and the fact that he's got all this kind of consistent new technology to kind of help build that pitch, and the fact that he's already bought into the whole system, all the rap soto, all that, he's completely bought into it. I don't really see any problem with him kind of developing that pitch into a league average or even better pitch. Quite honestly, he's like I said, he's shown the ability to command his off-speed pitches. He's shown the ability to spin. And I don't really see a real reason to kind of say he can't develop that pitch and even better than what it is now. Okay. So he's probably just outside right now, just throwing the ball against the net, just heaving curves over and over and over again until it gets better. <laughs> I guess that's the old-fashioned way of doing it. Nowadays, they're just going to go hop into the on the mound, get the Rapsodo hooked up, and try to exact match up their arm angle, their directional tilt, all that. They're just going to try to match it up to exactly how they want it to match and play off of their fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, and that's how it goes nowadays. I uh, I read Prophets of the Sandlot, and the scout in there was talking about every pitcher in baseball needs a cement wall in their backyard that they can just chuck off of and uh i was like man i wish that was still the case i wish mick abel was just on there just chucking balls at a cement wall (laughs) well let's uh let's round out the phillies five uh we have another righty this time with a 45 future value francisco morales he started out as a true two-pitch guy with some potential filth coming out of the fastball and slider uh you've got it rated as a potential future value of 60 grades on both I've seen the boards throw up there some very fake 65 grades on them. Those aren't real grades. We'll touch on that later. But he had some interesting pitcher usage. I was looking at his game logs. The Lakewood Blue Cause were alternating starter reliever on him the entire way through the season. It was very regimented. Five innings started, and then four days off, and then three innings in relief. Over and over and over again. They didn't stray from it. It was like clockwork every time. What is his future role in the system? Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? Did we learn anything from this 2019 wacky itinerary? I think it's one of the most unique things I've seen. It's it's a weird one. Like you don't really see that a lot. But he has, like I said, he's got that solid free pitch mix, especially his slider and his fastball. Like he's he's only 20, I suppose. So if anything, you're you're against older batters in eight. So he's going to be he's against older batters. It's different. It's, I don't know. I don't know if it's that development thing that you utilize him as a reliever, you utilize him as a starter. And then just everything in between is just how it works. Like he's started 12 of his games away or on the road and just three at home. Like, so it's, I don't know. It's a very unique Neat thing. He only did three to four innings a game. Like he went one to four or six to eight, and it seemed to be like every five days did one to four, uh, six to eight, then one to four again, then six to eight. So it doesn't really go deep in any real in either a starter role or a reliever role. So it's but just, it, oh, go on. Go on, issue. 
I was just saying that it, it almost kind of makes sense for future development staffs to do this because not only does it limit the bullets coming out of your arm, uh, which you only have so many as a pitcher, it also throws different looks at you. So not only you're you're not every situation in major league are you going to be out there starting day one. You're not all Justin Verlander. You're not all Max Scherzer. You're not all destined to be starters every single day. So you could be a long relief role. You could be a setup man. You could be a stopper. You could be, you know, it could be a starter. And this is kind of the situation where it leads them to be like, all right, here are all these different situations that you could see in the future. Let's see how you do. Um, and it seemed like, according to his stats, he did fine. I mean, a 3.8 ERA is nothing to wow over, but it, it's good. A 31% strikeout rate, that's solid. You know, I feel like they put him in these situations to kind of put him in the fire. And it seems like he succeeded. Yeah, I think, and I think that's it. Makes sense if you're gonna, if you see that you've got that potential in a pitcher, you wanna, you wanna be able to put him in different scenarios and see how he deals with it. That develops you. You put him in the situations where it's pressure situations and go from there. Like he's got the arsenal for it. So see how he gets on. How does he get on as a reliever? How does he get on with a starting pitcher? He could be like a like a Chris Davinsky type role where you just kind of go in there for three or four innings and just lock down a, a bad start or a good relief or whatever it could be. Uh, Jake, what do you see on him, I guess, command-wise? Does he have enough what it takes? If he sticks in the bullpen, I guess it won't matter as much. Um, well, just real quick, I'll touch on the reason why he wasn't um, starting oh, full-time. Yeah, sure. just, <laughs> hey, we have an answer. <laughs> just the – it's just – the Phillies kind of way of doing it and that in that uh in that level they literally use two starting pitchers a game so they're not going to let them go deep they're not going to let them extend pitch counts they have a set limit and they let them go three four innings and then they bring the next guy in and then they do what they got to do and that's how they develop pitchers down there I don't know if it's just how they think it's best if they have too many bodies that's just how they need to do it that's just what i've kind of come out with from that so i'm going to look more into that situation and i'll just kind of see if that's something they've always done but i haven't exactly noticed it recently up until now but yeah it's definitely interesting i personally don't agree with it at all Uh, i don't i think you're kind of setting them up like you guys are saying for that role of uncertainty kind of thing like you don't know if he's going to be a starter you don't know if he's going to be a reliever he's kind of me out of the bullpen yeah it's setting him up to have success in the future but i don't know i think it's definitely risky when it comes to the command and all i don't think it's going to be enough to play as a starter i think he's going to be a reliever and i think the fact that he's in the bullpen now is just kind of hurting him as well he's not getting that chance to kind of get through lineups and have to use his extra pitches and all so i think they're kind of doing themselves a disservice with this whole process especially in morales's case let's move on down Uh, i'd like to start touching on uh tweety your, your spotlight guys uh, the first guy on your list is number seven on the list, uh, 45 future value, Mickey Moniak. And he's definitely an incredibly polarizing piece of this farm system. If you ask any Phillies fan, uh, which I did on Reddit, Moniak shouldn't be sniffing the top 20. Uh, they've really gone sour on him. Uh, he was the number one overall pick in 2016, and now five years later, he hasn't even hit in AAA yet. His double-A slash line was a meager 252, 303, 439. But for the very first time in his career, he showed power to the gap and over the wall. 13 triples and 11 homers. Is the Maniac that we wanted finally coming out to play? Yeah, it's, it, it seems like some players develop quicker or slower than others. And I think he's he just seems like one that's that little bit slower. Like He's he's still, what, three years off at double-A? So he's still, he's still youngish for that, that level. And then... 
like I said, the, he's hit he hit twenties on his doubles the last three seasons: 17, 18, and 19. 22, 28, 28. He can hit doubles. It's just that now that he's got to that level of right, we're getting triples as well now. 13 and 11 compared to three and five and six and five the last two years. So he's his strikeouts have stayed about the same. 100, 109, 111, stayed about the same. But he's he's starting to show that them reasons of why he was a number one pick. Jake, you've been following him for a couple of years now. How have your views on him changed? You know, obviously number one one, he's high. At some point he fell. Are you starting to kind of pick back up? Have you thought he's been good this whole time? I mean, I always, I mean, okay, right off the bat, when you take a guy like this, first overall, it's definitely risky. A high school bat, but didn't project for a ton of power. Definitely a little bit of risk there. You, everything everything else that works there is kind of just got to hit perfectly to kind of play out and work in the future. And obviously, clearly, it, to this point, it hasn't. To answer your first question, is Moniac's potential kind of coming out that we're looking for? No. Is Moniac coming out ready to play finally? I think so. He kind of showed that he was at least ready to kind of compete. I mean, for the, for the most part, the last three years before 2019, he didn't really even show much progression. Finally, in 2019, he kind of took the nice step forward with a little bit of home run power, more stolen base power. The strikeouts really haven't gone anywhere. They're the same there. Same with the walks. They're kind of in the same spot. They've gone up a little bit, but just overall, he's kind of just hitting the ball a little bit harder, showing a little bit more ability to get the ball in the air, which is kind of added to that kind of home run power. He's pulling the ball a little more, something he really didn't do when he was younger. So he's kind of just, I guess, growing into his body a little bit more. Like when he was young, he was kind of just that hit the ball around, pure hitter kind of guy. And now he's kind of growing into a little bit more power. He's trusting himself. He's turning on balls. He's in the ball in the air. So just natural, just by natural, he's kind of just going to hit more home runs just by doing that. But I think there's still more in here. By no means is this guy going to live up to the number one pick. And obviously you kind of see that with the Phillies fans not thinking he's even a top 20 guy, which is <laughs> kind of absurd to me. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's got some potential. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be a long-term starter. He'll he'll make his way to the majors at some point. I mean, it's kind of hard not to let this guy get a shot with what you've kind of committed to him at this point. But yeah, he's shown improvements. Something I always look at, like you guys touched on, is just the doubles, triples, homer thing. And when a guy kind of shows consistency and double digits kind of everywhere. I mean, obviously it's not just a straight, oh, this guy's going to be good. But it's just kind of tells you he's, he's finding gaps. He's finding lines. He's finding the ability to drive the ball. He's athletic. He has speed to kind of get those triples, obviously. So there's a lot to like here. There's obviously a lot of stuff that he's kind of not like, obviously. But there's going to be some type of future for him. It's just I'm not sure exactly what that'll be. Is is he a center fielder in the future? Mm. Uh, like I said, I don't. If you want to say starting role, he's not a starting everyday center fielder. To play center field, yes, he can do it. He'll play center field fine if you need him to play in there for get a day off for someone or someone goes down with injury. He needs to fill in for a week or two. He can do it. But if you have this guy starting as your center fielder, it's not exactly ideal. Okay. Well, let's skip on down the board uh, to number eleven. Uh, we have a short and stout righty, five eleven, two twenty five, Mauricio Oliveira. Uh, when I look at Levera, I don't see things that are terribly awe-inspiring. Uh, a mid-90s fastball that grades out around a, 50, a 55 future value. A slider and changeup at 50 and 55, respectively. The command is shakier, 40, 45-ish. Uh, his strikeout rate's less than 10 per 9, while his, walks, his walking almost 9. But one thing does catch my eye. I looked at his batting ball profile. He's only allowing 14% of his balls to go for line drives, which would be by far the best in major leagues. I think number one in major leagues was 17%. Uh, 
what is it about his pitching style that allows him to in, either induce the ground ball or the pop fly, but nothing in between? I think it's just that, like I said, he's, he's like that stout pitch. He's only 5'11", so he's quite small for a pitcher, but he's he's quite big for a pitcher. So he's, he's like, he's, I think that in general allows him to be more of like a ground ball. And he picks that up because he has a decent pace uh, of velocity with his fastball. And he's, his changeup seems to be the one that gets that soft contact. He's, he's, he's another one that's gone from being a reliever to being a starter. He's, his first three seasons, he started 30 out of 50 games. And now he's been the last two seasons, he's been a regular starter. I think he's, he picks up sh- strikeouts as well. He gets a lot of ground outs. I just think it's that short and stout physique that sort of seems to be the one them outs. Jake, what do you uh what do you think about him as a pitcher? Uh I mean I'm not <laughs> good, exactly good response. Eh. <laughs> Next player. That's just kind of his whole profile, I think. It's just it's not things it's nothing stand out, but it's nothing that you're just gonna be like, okay, he's just terrible. Yeah. He's just kind of he's he's around, he will debut potentially this year. I mean he doesn't have much else to kind of I mean, he has more to prove. He doesn't have much else in development terms. Obviously, he can refine his pitches a little bit, but you're not going to probably see this guy turn up and become some crazy top tier prospect or anything. He's he's pretty maxed out, so what you see is what you're going to kind of get with him. I don't think he's a starter. I think he's going to be a bullpen guy. I, I think there's just not enough to kind of get through lineups consistently. There's no plus pitch. I would argue there's maybe one above average pitch. He, like you said, he misses bats. He just kind of has that knack of just not giving up hard contact so that is there is definitely merit to that and that is an ability that you can't just ignore but i just i just think the whole profile just kind of plays better in the uh in the bullpen just overall okay well well let's keep spotlighting these guys uh next on your list here at 13 at number 13 is a 19 year old outfielder johan rojas Uh, at face value this seems like a player that uh, with all, he has all the tantalizing tools that people love. With you know, 55 future raw power, 55 speed, uh, some slick fielding, a good arm. But you've got the bat rated as a 20 current and a 40 future. Uh, I understand he's only 19 years old, and there's a lot of room for him to grow and develop. But last year, combined between rookie uh, rookie ball and low A ball, he combined for a batting average of 265 and only struck out 15. percent I mean, the numbers aren't bad at all. I'm curious. What is it about the swing that you have him rated so low here? Yes, yeah, he's. Um, I mean, he does make good contact and he can barrel, barrel the ball well. But he seems like his timing's off. Like he's he only struck out forty one times, which is good. Walk rate was low, but it just seems like that thing of he's either consistently picking up hits or he's not. And the ones where he's not, he's going zero for five with no strikeouts. It just seems to be like that. If he's being struck out and you say, right, he's an aggressive hitter and he, he does battle the ball and he hits home runs and it, you can sort of see that. But it's it seems to be that he has a lot of ground balls or fly balls. He gets out quite a lot by making contact. It's just that it needs to be, his timing needs to be better. He needs to keep up that consistency of doing that. Jake, I know you're always higher on... I guess, limited hit tools than I. I see a guy with no hit, good power, good speed, and I just ah, throw him in the garbage bin. He's, I, I want a guy with contact. Is he going to be able to succeed with that kind of lack of timing? I mean, in the box, probably, I mean, 
he can give you a little bit. He's not going to ever be that plus hitter, even probably league average hitter. He can survive with his other tools, likely. He's probably not going to ever be a full-time starter unless he figures out a little bit more with the bat. He's just got a lot to kind of figure out. He he showed out well. I mean, he only played 18 games last year in rookie ball. He showed out really well there, so they, they promoted him, and they promoted him. He played 42 games. He didn't play well in low eight. His walk rate, like I said, he only played 18 games in, in rookie ball a year, but he had a 10%, almost 11% walk rate. Go to A ball, that dropped all the way down to 3%, and that's where you get the 5% on the season. So quite honestly, that was probably even worse than that 5% shows because when he got up to even face even decent pitching, he really struggled, and he hit, I mean, even his average in OBP shows, he hit 244 with a 273 OBP. So he even struggled to kind of find his way on base, kind of like Twitty said. So if he wasn't really finding hits, he was kind of really, really hurting you with an 0 for 5 or 0 for 4 or something. So he's kind of that just bottom of the lineup kind of guy. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be standout with a bat, but defensively, he'll be good and he'll be able to help there. It's just not going to ever be a long-term uh, starting role, most likely. Okay. So speaking of you know the tantalizing tools without the bat, uh, the next guy you've got on your list, number 15, six foot two shortstop Kendall Simmons. He's the same type of player. He's got a little bit more power than Rojas, though he's not as speedy. Uh, it's the similar hit tools, though. It's, it's just as low. But when I look at his numbers, he's actually batting 230 with the strikeout percentage of 26%. Uh, I understand why he has the low hit there. Is he on the list here entirely for his power? Or what makes him in special beyond the numbers I see? I think, yeah, he's, he's a unique situation where you see like he's got yeah, 22 extra base hits last year and 12 of them were home runs. He's obviously, it's like that sort of thing of he'll get a few extra base hits, but the most of them will be, he'll go long. He has that potential to go long. It just needs to be re- reciprocated around his general extra base hitting. See, he has he generates great power with his bat speed and the way he uses his upper body, but he just needs to focus on being a consistent hitter. Like I said, 230 batting average last year, 230 average in 2018 as well. Strikeouts, his strikeout rate is increased significantly. It was 50, 54 and 51. It was 30 and 32 the year before. Like, it's just, yeah, he's got that power, and I think he's there for the power. I think another way he just needs to unlock his contact, his regular hitting, and not just go. He's, he seems like an all or nothing player. Jake, do you think he's going to be able to stick? He's a second baseman, shortstop listed. Do you think he's going to be able to stick in the infield? Yeah, he probably could. He's not going to be stand out there. He's definitely you're definitely playing the bat here if if he's on the field, but he's not going to kill you. I would say he could stick at shortstop, probably best at third. I would say, um, but you're really looking you're liking the power here, as you guys said. He's he has some good power power potential. The hit tool needs some work. Clearly, he's been hitting a lot of more, or at least last year he hit more home runs than he hit doubles, which is a little interesting. Just something to kind of keep an eye on. It's more just strictly raw power at this point, is because he, he's not really making something I as you can kind of see with the with the hit tool. He's not really making good contact too often, and when he is, it's kind of just leaving the yard. I mean, he had 18 singles last year and 12 homers, so he's almost like Joey Gallo esque kind of guy. He's not that level, but last year he had similar kind of numbers like that in that area. But I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be that type of guy. He'll be a big power guy, low hit. Kind of has a great show, and he's fun. It's just a lot of tools to kind of ignore. Honestly, the Phillies, I just keep getting deja vu because I keep going down the board. I want to move to your next guy, slotting in at number 17, Jalen Ortiz. It's the same type of player. 
He's got a 25 hit with a 60 future power. This is, you know, I guess the, the biggest discrepancy of them all between his hit and his power. He plays center field right now, but his speed tool is lousy and he's already six foot three, two forty. It's a fair assessment to say he's not going to be a major league center fielder, right? Where does he stick defensively? And is that bat going to get to a point where his power actually uh, can help the team instead of just striking out all the time? Yeah, and, and again, that's another one that unlocks that contact that you can hit the ball. I mean, like 200 average, yeah. But when you're hitting 37 extra base hits and you're hitting 19 home runs, it, that's the problem is he's, he's striking out. He's... Like he has that, he has that potential in terms of power because he can do it. It's just, it's something that needs to be focused. On. He, he cost four million back in two thousand fifteen. Like he's got to be one that you stick with, regardless of where you stick him in the outfield as well. You can't just say, oh, he can't play centre field. That's that's that. I think you got to find where he can play. Maybe in the corner outfield because he's his plus arm. But yeah, it's. it's I'm not too sure on where to go with that one. Yeah, I don't know how they see this guy as a center fielder, I'll be quite honest with you. I don't even know why they started doing this last year, quite honestly. He never played center field until last year. In 2016, 2017, 2018, he was a strict right fielder. And then all of a sudden, in 2019, he became a left fielder, or center fielder, and he still played right. More, He mostly played right, but he started playing center a little bit. I think he's going to be a right fielder, and he might have to move to left, because of how the speed is going to kind of slow down. But he's got the arm to play right. Um, he's got the power projection to play right. He's probably going to be another one of those guys we've been kind of just touching on the last few pods and stuff that are just going to kind of get moved out to left field to have that bat play um, and not really worry about the defense. Just hope he doesn't kill you out there and he can kind of hit you a ton of homers and drive in a ton of runs. But yeah, there's a lot to kind of still iron out here. He strikes out way too much to kind of continuously tap into that power, I think, against good pitching. Once he kind of moves up, even past the level he's at now, I think if he were to play this year, doing a big test for him in double-A, but he's missing another year. So next time we see this guy, he's going to be 22, and he hasn't played in double-A. So we'll see him at double-A when he's 22, and we quite honestly might not see this guy in the majors until he's about 24, 25, because of what, how many tools he needs to work on right now. So, I mean, it's a lot It's a lot of process right now. His current stats, batting 200 with a 32% strikeout rate, uh, that's Chris Davis, and Chris Davis is unplayable. So uh, I don't see how he can make the field if, if his hit tool doesn't improve. And I know you've got a 25 current and a 45 future, so you do have a lot of future development that you see in there. But do you really think it can develop You know, 20 more points and he's already 22 years old? The, the only thing is when you look at it, when he's got, when he's got the numbers of how he can use his power, there has to be something in there that you can develop him in order to not be as aggressive and to boost up those that batting average. Like, like I said, like it was four million. You have to be pushing a lot into him in order to say, right, there has to be that potential there because there has to be. He's he's got he's got the power for it. He can hit the ball. It's just now about fo- that mentality of right, just get it on the field, and then we'll go from there. I don't know. The, the Red Sox paid what Resni Castillo millions of dollars, and they never let him see the field. So uh, there are certain, and I'm not saying Ortiz is going to be the bust that Resni Castillo was, but there are definitely certain aspects where you just cut and run. 
Yeah, a little different situation, I think. But I, it's, I mean, similar but different just due to the age. I think Castillo was a bit older than a, a typical prospect. I think he came over when he was mid twenties, late twenties. I'm not exactly sure on that, but I know he wasn't a typical prospect. But um, yeah, same type of deal though. You kind of get worried. I mean, you put so much money in this guy, and he hasn't really shown anything up in this point. You kind of need to see it pretty soon, or mm. you might need to cut bait. Well, well, before we recap our top twenty. Um... I want to finish off with the spotlights there. I do have a question for you, though. I've got a question from a listener uh, from from Reddit, Mr. Gertenbuster420. Uh, he wants to know something about a guy we didn't actually touch on today, uh, Rafael Marchand, the catcher. Uh, I believe you have him slotted as number 10 on your list. So the question is, I want to know how hard that dude actually throws. He puts on a show this spring. He put on a show this spring behind the plate. I sent this over to you a few days ago. Pretty short question. Honestly, just... How good is this guy's arm? Is he going to be nailing people trying to steal second base all day, every day? Yeah, of course. He's got he's got a plus arm, and I think that's one of the key things that I looked at, especially when I put him in as number 10. Like He's not the biggest behind the plate, but he's got that. He just seems to be quick, quick, quick pop, throw the ball out. He's 5'9", so he's quite small, but he's just got that plus arm. And he's – I couldn't tell you exactly how hard he throws it, but – He's definitely got that quality to be a solid defensive catcher based on his arm and his receiving skills. Well, I look forward to having uh, Hawkeye in all the major league stadiums and all the minor league stadiums here coming soon because then we can actually see the body movements and see how Rafael Marchand, how hard he's actually throwing it. That ball from center field to second, his pop time is X, his velocity is X. Right now, we can't tell that, but once that Hawkeye is installed, all these things are going to become clear. But I want to recap who was not on the top 20, who we didn't mention. I want to give a nod to the guys we didn't speak of. Uh, at number six and number eight, we have Luis Garcia and Simon Muziodi. Can't say that word. Uh, both with 45 future values. At nine and 10 are 40 plus future values of Adonis Medina and Rafael Marchand, like we just talked about. In the 12 through 20 range, filling in the gaps along the way with some 40 values. We've got shortstop Casey Martin and, and Nick Maton. And four lefty pitchers, Damon Jones, Eric Miller, Ethan Lindau, and Jojo Romero. Like I do every episode, I want to challenge you to go further down the list. Outside of the top 20, give me some names of guys who either just missed the list or who might make the list next time. Obviously, the main one that missed the list is um, Enyo De Los Santos. Obviously, he's at the major level. He's not, he's, he could still feature on that list, but he's one that's just outside. And the, But the key one is Rodolfo Duran for me. Like, he... Done well at low A. He done well at A. He's decent batting average. He seemed to excel in 2018 at A. He hit 17 doubles, 18 home runs. But then last year sort of like tailed off a little bit. He only had 10 doubles and six home home runs last year. His batting average came down slightly. I think he was the one that was looking forward to in 2019, but didn't just quite make it there. Durant's a catcher, correct? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, how is he yeah, behind the plate? Yeah, he seems he seems to be good behind the plate as well. Like he's, I think they've got quite a few catching prospects in their ranks. But yeah, he seemed like a good catcher, fairly solid. It's just that he's hitting was he seems to be more like an offensive catcher. And I think if he can refine the form of twenty eighteen, then he'd be one that would make the list in the future. Okay. Well, Jake, what about you? What do you think about the system? Is there someone not listed in this top twenty? that we haven't mentioned yet today that you want to kind of give a shout to. Yeah, there is a guy. Um, he was drafted this year, so the Phillies fans probably don't. Maybe they know who he is now. It's been a bit, but they'll see him play next year. 
um, is our last round pick too, Baron Radcliffe. This guy is just a freaking human highlight reel. I don't even know what else to say. Yeah, he's going to strike out probably 30% or more of the time, but I really don't even care because this guy's going to hit 450-plus bombs consistently when he makes contact. He's got a plus run tool. He's got a plus arm. He's a good defender. It's just how often he's going to make contact. He's really raw, but, I mean, the kid's going to be one of the most exciting players in the system in general. He's coming out of Georgia Tech. He just hit balls 159 velocity and consistently out there. Ball's over, like I said, 450 feet. He touched 470 before. It's just pretty fun to watch. He's, I mean, they'll probably think I'm talking about the same guy. They just tried to f- come up and see him play in Dylan Cousins. They probably think I'm explaining the same exact <laughs> guy, but I think I think he's a little better. I think this guy's a bit more athletic. He's got a bit more drive, I think, in his whole game. And I, I, I don't know. I think I have a little more faith in him, but I don't blame Phillies fans for just thinking Dylan Cousins and shutting the phone off. As you were talking about Baron Radcliffe, my brain started turning. I was like, there was a guy in Philly, and I can't remember his name, but this is the proper description. (laughs) Yeah, sure enough, Dylan Cousins. Um, So I want to ask either of you, um, I guess overrated, underrated in this system. Uh, Who do you you think is here that doesn't belong? Or I guess Baron Radcliffe might belong or Rodolfo Duran might belong. But who else do you want to say is either overrated or underrated? I think the one for me that is Ethan Lindau. Like, he's up at him as 19, which is quite low, but he was 2019 Pitcher of the Year in the in the minor leagues for Philadelphia. So obviously he's got, he's seen his limited, but his work rate and his pitching abilities, he's decent. He's, he might get to the majors on his work rate and his ethic and how he does goes about things, but he's just one that is quite low. Then on the flip side, you've got then got Romero, who's right underneath him. He's just one that's... He's one of a handful of ones that there's question marks. People might think he's there. People might not think he's there. Uh, there's quite a few questions about a few of these guys that we've obviously got contrasting reviews on him. So there's quite a few in the system that's, that I feel could be in there, but you might feel that they're not. Jake might think there's, they might not. So it's just, it's one of those ones that is, it's interesting. Well, well, I don't get a say. So Jake, what do you think? <laughs> that is definitely right. You don't get a say, John. <laughs> No, but um, yeah, there's a, there's a guy I think he probably deserved to be on this list. We didn't have him. It's okay. We have it. There's definitely not a lot of data on this guy. He was drafted last year. Jamari Baylor. I like to hear Tweedy's thoughts if he has any on him as well. But I just, I don't know. I like the guy. He's a good player just across the board. Has just solid tools. Nothing stand out again. It's one of those guys that's not going to just be flat out outstanding in a, in a, in a tool area. But he's going to consistently show up defensively, offensively with speed good arm everything just kind of matches and shows me he's young he's 19 he's a shortstop i think he deserves to be on the list obviously different opinions vary but yeah and then some guys that maybe just don't probably deserve to be on it or that probably won't be on it next year just kind of this i mean as any list really but the, the bottom end guys just kind of we definitely won't see Damon Jones on the next year. He's 25. He'll probably debut this year with the Phillies. Jojo Romero, kind of the same thing. He'll probably, I think he even debuted last year. He won't be on the list next year. So there'll, there'll be a lot of new names up here. Um, there's a lot of just, it's a lot of high upside, a lot of risk, a lot of reward in the system. And it's kind of just need to, it was a big year, honestly, for the Phillies system. I mean, quite honestly, I can say this for probably any system, but with this system in, in particular, they have a lot of guys that are just, like I said, hit or miss, just... They can be a star. They can be just nobody, and they can never debut. And every single minute of development missed is 
pretty big for a player like that. So just something to kind of see how these guys kind of pick up back next year. I'm surprised neither one of you said Adonis Medina, who 2014 international signing, 2016 uh, New York Penn League Player of the Year, and every year his ERA has increased, and I believe every year his walk rates increased. And I'm looking, yes, with the exception of one year, every year his walk rates increased. He just hasn't. I don't know. Statistically, he hasn't developed. He's still number ten on the list. No, I agree. Actually, he's number nine. Oh. Um, but yeah, I agree. He's just another guy. Like I probably should have mentioned too. I just a lot of people are high on him. They still think he has potential. I mean, like you said, he was picked up back in 2014. The guy's been around a while and he hasn't exactly like you said shown much and he's just starting to run out of time there's again no plus pitch there to kind of consistently get out to just go to be like crap i'm not i don't have my fastball today i don't have my slider today i don't have my change up let me just go to this and get out he doesn't exactly have that pitch and he's probably not going to develop it at this stage of his career so you're right i i I don't we could see him again not being list next year well jake jake uh that is it for the phillies today Like I said in the last pod, we're going to keep these T20s short and tight. Uh, Jake, thank you for joining me today. And Tweety, as always, as it was with the Rangers and it will be with all the other teams in the the future, it is a true pleasure to have you on. Uh, Your voice will be a melody in my dreams tonight. (laughs) As we sign up. What now? That'll be reciprocated, I think. All right. <laughs> your voice now. It's getting one o'clock in the morning. Just had your voice in my head now. <laughs> oh, goodness. Let's get you to go to sleep here soon. Uh, as we sign <laughs> off, please tell the world where they can find you and if there's anything else you want to plug. Uh, Jake. Yeah, just you can follow me on Twitter, jtillinghast27, J-T-I-L-L-I-N-G-H-A-S-T-27. Follow us on Twitter, Prospects World W. Yeah, we just got a lot of stuff coming out. Good stuff. What about you, Tweety? All of the above, plus at MLB UK Analysis 1 and yeah hopefully doing some more rankings as we go along nice okay well as always I'm John Giles you can follow me at Puma Revive that's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D and one day I swear I'm going to follow you back please continue listening to our pod we have now 27 more of these to go over the course of the season remember to give us a good review and you can find this article for everyone we mentioned on prospectsworldwide.com where we also have all of our player scouting reports, analysis, team draft recaps, and much, much more. And apparently we're starting a new thing where people can just start sending in questions. Thank you to Gert and Buster for that. For the trend starting thing, please, if anyone has any questions about a team list that we haven't done, or if you just want to hear us banter about something, send a line to at ProspectsWorldW on Twitter. I look forward to reading those lovely questions, and I'll be happy to ask them to these knowledgeable scouts that surround me. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Giles. And this is Prospects Worldwide.